Radical Radio Collective. Welcome to Eco Radio on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. Um, my name's Andy. I will be with you for the next hour. I will be talking today on the show about water and specifically about the effects of coal mining on our water. Water, of course, one of the ingredients necessary for life is clean water, not just human life, but all life. And our water is under threat from various things, um, one of which is coal. Of course, partly one of the effects of coal is climate change and one of the predictions is that there there will be worse droughts and with droughts comes issues of uh, salination of water, um, of uh, erosion, soil erosion that can lead to contamination. And so climate change in itself is an issue that affects our water. But I'm going to be talking today about coal mining before we ever get to the atmospheric effects of coal mines just the the fact of digging this stuff out of the ground the effect that it has on our water of course it is a massive water user in this um dry continent but also there are um effects of contamination the rehabilitation of mines uses a lot of water as we will find out and the one form of mining, long wall mining, can actually create such disruptions in uh, the landforms that it actually means we lose a lot of water that would otherwise be going into the catchments, uh, some of which are providing clean drinking water to our cities. So today on the show, I will be speaking with Tracy Anton. She's from a group called Friends of Latrobe Water in Victoria, the Latrobe Valley which is a huge coal mine producing um, area of Australia. Those mines are being shut down now, partly they're mined out, partly because of climate concerns, but there's a lot of worry about the effects that the rehabilitation of those mines will have on the water of that area. And I also spoke with Pete Dupin, who was for a long time the mining manager at Water New South Wales, the state government's water usage authority, um, who has studied the effects of coal mining in just sort of south of Sydney in the Wollongong area, the effects of mining on the Warrenora drinking water catchment, which feeds a lot of southern Sydney. And he is so concerned now that he was one of 20 scientists who in the last few weeks um, put out an open letter saying that all mining in the Sydney water catchment area should be stopped, um, which is good advice, but not advice that's being followed because there has just been a big mine expansion in that area um, approved by the New South Wales state government. So... We have a tension here. There's a lot of money to be made from coal mining and our government's like that and it has big effects on the water and that water is needed for our lives. And so uh, that's where there is some level of conflict and that's where those of us who care about all the things that come from clean and healthy waterways need to stand up and be aware of what mining is doing to our water and help to protect it. So tune in for the next hour to hear a bit more about that. Maybe we'll start off with a song. This is a classic 60s protest song by Gene Ritchie. Uh, a cover version here, though, by Mary McPartlin. This is Black Waters. <laughs> Kentucky's my home Where the wild deer and the black bear So lately did roam By the cool rushing waterfall The wildflowers dream And through every green valley There runs a clear stream 
Now there's scenes of destruction on every hand And only black waters run down through my land Sad scenes of destruction on every hand Black waters, black waters run down through my land The quail, she's a pretty bird, she sings a sweet tongue In the roots of tall timbers, she nests with her young Then the hillside explodes with the dynamite's roar And the voices of the small birds are heard there no more And the mountain comes sliding so awful and grand And the flooding black waters rise over my land Sad scenes of destruction on That is Mary McPartland there doing a beautiful version of Gene Ritchie's 60s folk song, Black Waters. We are talking about coal mining um, and how it affects water. Not much has changed in the 50 years since that song was written, sadly. Um, I might start off talking with Pete Dupin uh, about the effects of coal mining on Sydney's water drink catchment. 
could you start by introducing yourself? Uh, sure. <coughs> My name's Peter Dupin. I'm the um, managing director of H2 Honestly, Proprietary Limited, uh, a consultancy that I started a year ago. Um, and amongst uh, other things, I was the um, uh, mining manager at Water New South Wales uh, up until August last year. So what did your role entail as mining manager for Water New South Wales? Yeah, it was a very um, unusual role for a, <laughs> a water utility. Um, situation, uh, Water New South Wales um, is, is an agency which uh, was partly um, the Sydney Catchment Authority prior to an amalgamation of, of some um, agencies. So, and the Sydney Catchment Authority was specifically formed to um, to protect and manage the um, special areas of Sydney, and, and those special areas were uh, effectively catchments which were um, designated as protected, which were um, enshrined in, in law and many years ago, um, and the, the concept uh, that was developed was that there are a series of dams inland from Wollongong um, that, that were Sydney's water supply before Borragamba Dam became Sydney's main supply. Um, and the, the beauty of these uh, dams in these pristine catchments that have not been developed and, and you know, their role is to make a decision and sometimes, like, for the bigger <coughs> um, applications that come through, uh, they also have to... Um, the, the approval has to be given by the Independent Planning Commission. So that's what's going to happen, for example, for the Dendrobium mine, which is applying for a major new extension. Um, so there's two, two mines of of real concern at the moment in, in the special areas is Dendrobium and the Metropolitan Mine. Both of these you've highlighted as raising concerns for the water catchment and in fact this open letter says that there should be no further work, uh, an ongoing suspension of all approval pro- processes. Why such a, a dramatic response when these mines are, have already existed and been going? Yeah, because now we we have the evidence that that, that they really are having um, major impacts. You know, it's been um, there. The mines have been um, for many years operating on the um, on the their interpretation of the evidence, which is that the the water is returning and that they're not having a uh, significant amount of water diversion. But this has proven uh, we. You know, I in my role and, and Water New South Wales and, and others um, have, including Peter Turner, who sort of headed that um, project as a as a um, independent um, community person working with National Parks Association. Um, you know, we, we, we've now been able to demonstrate that actually there is this quite big amount of water being diverted. It's, it's in, in the order of gigalitres a year, probably less than 10, but certainly more than five um, uh, that uh, are being diverted from Sydney's water supply. And, and that's, that is, you know, rainwater that is otherwise available. You know, it's all the collection system is there. These are beautiful catchments that are doing their job of, um, you know, growing trees and, and, and swamps and things which are filtering the water. And now that really high quality water that, that you don't have to worry about, you know, pesticides, you don't have to worry about microplastics, that water is not available to Sydney's water supply. So we're saying that's not okay and, and that, you know, get your coal from elsewhere. Peter Dupin there talking about uh, some of the effects of particularly Peabody's Metropolitan Mine. This is the greatest song ever written about Peabody's Metropolitan Mine by the Lurkers. Down at the Metro Mine Down at the Metro Mine Who's gonna lie on that hard rail line? Stop Peabody's coal digging crime Coal mining takes your life away it's a dead end job, I say. Get dust on your lung, get a cold blackened tongue, and a dead planet back with your pay. 
Who's got a padlock and chain? Who's got a padlock and chain? Locking on tight to that cold train tonight. Tell me who's got a padlock and chain? Wollongong people do you dread? Yes, Wollongong people do you dread? That sound up on the hill, yes, that's Peter Body's drill. Cracking through your drinking river bed. Yes, Peabod is digging up that coal. The Peabod is digging up that coal. Gonna lie down on the track and make for all the coal back. Cause nobody should be digging up coal. Who's got a padlock and chain? Now. Who's got a padlock and chain? Oh, tell me now. Locking on tight to that coal train tonight. Tell me who's, who's got, got a padlock and chain? I'll name you their leader in crime He's CEO with Peabody Mines Mr. Gregory H. Boyce He's their leader of choice For his greed will make him pay in time We'll be standing in court one day We'll be standing in court one fine day We'll hear the judge's voice say Mr. G. H. Boyce for your crimes You now must pay Who's got a padlock and chain? Well, tell me. Who's got a padlock and chain? Well, tell me now. Locking on tight to that coal train tonight. Tell me who's, who's got, got a padlock and chain? Tell me who's got a padlock and chain. Come on, we're living here. An Australian protest classic there, Who's Got a Padlock and Chain by The Lurkers. Um, Written more than 10 years ago uh, about protests against Peabody's Metropolitan Mine at Helensburg, just south of Sydney. And in the last few weeks, new concerns about that mine have been raised by scientists, a group of 20 scientists who have signed an open letter saying there should be no further mining in Sydney's uh, water catchment area. The Metropolitan Mine has just been approved for a new expansion with which has raised significant concerns about its effect on our precious water. I've been speaking with Peter Dupin, who is one of those scientists who signed that letter. Let's go back to listening to Peter. Is the main issue the subsidence? There's also been talked about issues of metals leaching into the water or of what they've called valley bulging to divert water as well. Yeah, so so it all relates to the subsidence. The, the subsidence happens when you take um, four metres of rock out at a depth of three or four, in some cases 500 metres depth, um, uh, that the, the you don't get four metres of drop at the surface. You get something in the order of two to four metres of drop. But um, you know, in the Hunter Valley, for example, you can see this. You can you can map it, and 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 all you have to do really, if that happens, the whole landform drops except for where they've got their um, their unmined bit. So the pillars aren't mined, and they they keep those unmined 
mine so that they can um, safely get the, the men in and the, the coal out. So they keep um, portions of the rock. So w what then happens on, on flatlands, you get sort of a relatively um, predictable and manageable um, kind of impact, which, you know, if you can, you, you have to fix your roads and your rail bridges and, and things after the, the substance has happened. But in, in these catchments, they're, they're natural catchments, they're sandstone, and when you drop um, a, the, the whole land surface and unevenly because of these pillars, um, you, you, you're causing then the rock to change at the surface. And, and the ways that they change um, is that uh, where, where, I've got, where you've got a steep valley, as we mostly do in those catchments, um, what we observe is that the the um, the, the the intense the, the the focus of the sort of ground movement, both sides of the valley will will seek to close because they're not constrained. They're suddenly being allowed to sort of move about, and as they've got rock on one side and air on the other, they will move towards the air, and so that's what this valley bulging thing is. It's actually a valley narrowing, and the one of the issues that, that comes as a result of that is that the, along the, the focus of the valley, which is where the creek is, of course, is that that all becomes cracked and shattered. And, um, and the, the water that was flowing along the creek now drops into this um, shattered zone of rock. Uh, and that's where the, the water... The, so the water then travels not on the surface but through the rock um, and hopefully uh, conceptually it, it then pops up at the end of the creek wherever the the mining stops and and the shattered rock stops the the water builds up and then resurfaces and when it resurfaces it's now full of all of the metals and other salts and things but that is the metals that worry us the most um, that 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 are then um, dissolved in this water. So the water comes out and it's bright orange and because uh, of all the oxides, it's, it's, it's generally heavy in iron, uh, manganese, aluminium, uh, and those are then flowing, <coughs> getting washed into the, the, um, the storages and the, the collection systems that are being used by, um, yeah, by one New South Wales to collect the water for Sydney's water supply. So, um, but when they're, when they're hitting these large bodies of water, generally what's happening is that the, the metals are dropping out because it's fairly still and, and these are sort of colloidal and, and um, they, they come out of solution and they drop into the sediments in these dams. And what one of the things that has never been properly studied is what happens to those um, metals. Are they ultimately going to build up and become a problem for Sydney's water supply in 100 or 200 years? from now because you know there is this build-up and they're, they're still sitting in the sediments in a pretty available form and generally what we're finding is the water offtake is usually down near the dam so it's the other end of this fairly narrow water body and by by then you're not really detecting increased levels but you know there is this concern that it may well be building up and it's not being understood and and so the at what point might this become a problem uh, needs to be a lot further investigated. So they're, they're, the fact that we're not kind of detecting high metals in Sydney's water supply as a result may only be a temporary thing. We, we really don't know. Mm. So I, just finally, I guess this is, there are a number of concerns around this. You're somebody who has worked for Water New South Wales assessing metropolitan water catchments. As we... You know, we've had a serious drought over the last few years. Potentially climate change will make these things worse. Are there concerns about the water supplies, say, for instance, to Sydney? Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's very much the focus of, of what that letter from um, National Parks Association is, is saying, you know, like uh, Sydney's water supply is such a precious resource. We are going to want that water back, you know, come the next drought and, and, um, and you know, and now if we are to get it back, we will probably have to use desal 
and desalination. And that's a very energy intensive, uh, expensive and, um, you know, less than optimum way to get your water. If you've already got a system that is collecting beautiful fresh rainwater, then that is a very precious resource. And and the fact that this water has now been diverted uh, due to mining is, you know, in our view, a, a, a short-term um, short-term gain for, for long-term pain. You know, the, it's unlikely that this water will, that these catchments will ever function, you know, as they originally did, and and it certainly will take hundreds of years before they even start to mimic what was before. But the water quality and the um, water quantity are, are unlikely to ever return to what they were. Okay, thanks for that. All right, thanks, Anios. Too hard to solve There's people starving in our backyards As the days unfold And I refuse to lose shape To fit a crooked mold No excuse, no escape So they take from my soul I listen for my ancestors They're telling me to find the answers Can't turn away from the land Voice and once I hear it, I got no choice. Cause there is no sanity in such inhumanity. Sometimes it feels like nothing's enough to replenish me. But I'll fight for the life of generations far ahead of me. Cause there are rights that are you and I's humanity's dependency. Land, understand. Even the queen's got to breathe. The deepest silence I can find in the city grind. Riddled with violence, I incline. These are hard times. It's like we're going down a one way dead end street. They mind my sacred land and sleep at night. How can't they understand why my spirit cries? I feel the taking with every single piece. I listen for my ancestors. They're telling me to find the answers. Can't turn away from the land's voice. And once I heard it, I had no choice. There is no sanity in such inhumanity Sometimes it feels like nothing's enough to replenish me But I'll fight for the life Of generations far ahead of me Cause there arise out of you and I Humanity's dependency Air, water, land, understand Even the queen's got to breathe The streets were paved with compliance Slaves of your highness Still today they divide us Racism is just the way they hide us Technology it blinds us Hypocrisy's gonna find us We can't make change So please Listen for your ancestors They're telling you to find the answers Can't turn away from the land and if you hear it, you got no choice Cause there is no sanity in such inhumanity Sometimes it feels like nothing's enough to replenish me But I'll fight for the life of generations far ahead of me Cause there are rights out of you and I Humanity's dependency Air, water, land, understand Even the queen's got to breathe
That is Ancestress there. Great uh, local Aboriginal artist with that track, Air, Water, Land. You're on Eco Radio on four triple z it is 12 36 we have been talking about the effects on water of coal mining before ancestors we were speaking with peter dupin about um that issue as it relates to sydney's water catchment in the uh warragamba um sorry not warragamba that's the other one west of sydney warranora uh water catchment um now another area where there's been a lot of coal mining, much like the Illawarra region, um, where a lot of the local identity is based around coal mining, but where they're trying to phase out of it now and trying to work out what that looks like and how to do it in a sustainable way is the Latrobe Valley in Victoria. Um, I spoke with Tracy Anton, who's from a group called Friends of Latrobe Water, who are trying to protect their own water catchments there um, as those mines move towards rehabilitation. Could you start by introducing yourself? My name's Tracy Anton. I live in uh, Tingabi, which is Latrobe Valley in Victoria. So... Uh, Latrobe Valley, a long way from us here in Queensland, but I guess some of the issues you're facing there are issues that affect us all. For those who mightn't have heard of it, Latrobe Valley is in Gippsland and it's a, a massive producer of both coal mines and coal-powered electricity. Is that right? Yes, it is, yep. Um, which, over the years, has had uh, a lot of environmental concerns and one that is a a new campaign that sort of started up is Friends of Latrobe Water which you're a part of. Can you tell us a bit about this group? Yes, our group um, has been sort of communicating with each other a while on some of their little separate issues and we decided to um, join with other stakeholders that we need to become uh, a one voice uh, talk about the greater issues because um, because of the rehabilitation of the mines, which is probably um, the three coal mines down here with one closing and a couple of the others closing probably in the next 10 to 15 years, it will be the first time that you'll ever see a rehabilitation process in Australia where they need to use water to um, fill the mines to stabilise it. So in regards to that, the problem with our um, connected waterways is it goes all the way down into a major tourism area of the Gippsland Lakes, which is considered um, one of significant areas for Ramsar. So the, the complication of taking all that water, which is equivalent to four times the size of Sydney Harbour, and filling that never been done before and um, nobody really knows what to do because we just don't have that amount of water. Mm. So these are open cut pits are they that are are planned to be uh, rehabilitated by using this water? Yes, so the first one, which is Hazelwood, and um, people might know that one from the big coal mine fire in 2014, that's the deepest. It's, you know, well over 100 metres deep, and it sits right beside our main freeway. So that's, you know, 20... uh, There's a a main drain that's about 200 metres away in the freeway. So the complication, if this was right out in the the never-never, you would just let it go and it could just collapse in on itself because... What a lot of people don't realise is that you have to dewater the groundwater, the aquifer, um, that normally would flow through the, the subsurface, that because they've dug through that, if they don't re- um, reduce that pressure, the, um, the batter walls will just collapse and fold in on itself. And because they built the mines and then built the town around it, we now have a situation where the town of Morwell is slowly creeping in towards the mine. We have an incremental subsidence of 2.8 metres over the, um, the five to six decades. So the plan instead of that, just the mine falling in, is that they have to fill it with water? Is this to stop it from collapsing in? So that's the, the, the whole, um, when they had the mine fire inquiry, they deemed that it was the most feasible way to maintain stability. Um, so, we, yeah, they found that 
it is and it, it probably is. It will equalise the pressure, but you still have to factor in, well, where is the water going to come from when we have an increased variable climate and we have other consumptive water use on this connective waterway? So where the mines sit, the three mines in Latrobe Valley, are basically at the head catchment area. So everywhere downstream will be impacted and that's still part of the problem. Yeah, this is a pretty serious issue if you think about uh, waterways as an ecosystem. If you pull out that much water, um, it affects everything downstream where there's less water getting to uh, plants, animals and, in fact, towns that are downstream. Yes, well, it's it's an in, a bit of an interesting conundrum too because the three... Um, the three pits have an annual water allocation of approximately 150 gigalitres per year. Now, some of that is the groundwater licence, so that's where they have to dewater and take that out. So what would normally have been in the ground all of a sudden becomes a use in the power station and that um, wastewater is then treated and becomes the surface water. So it provides a flow in the river, particularly in dry times. So as one power station ceases and then they go into using that um, groundwater to fill the mine, that we've all of a sudden lost a huge flow that would go down the river. Now, one of the things that we do know that we've got a lot of um, contaminant pollution from the discharges, heavy metals, all sorts high pH. And the whole thing is that you need a flow to actually dilute the concentration. So this, you know, so the catch cry is the solution to pollution is dilution. So if we no longer have that flow, there's going to be less to, you know, sort of, well, that will get all the way down to the bottom catchment of the protected waters. And we need freshwater inflows to maintain the wetlands. But the other side of it, you know, the farmers who already irrigate off that and have allocation, they'll lose that as well. Mm. So there's been some community concern about this issue. Can you tell us what's that kind of campaign looked like and what are... Uh, different parties involved? Well, a lot of us are connected and work um, with each other as, a, as groups. So we've not been that um, collective voice. And so we're one group will have a certain amount of expert in the upper catchment, others will have expert in the lower catchment. So part of that is, you know, there's been individually voices, but the government will never change anything unless they're forced to change. So that means the voice has to get louder. You have to provide that evidence and proof to basically embarrass them to go, well, this is what we do know, this is what you haven't done, this is what the legislation says you must do, and we need to... Basically, our job is to expose the problems. Um, we can't provide the solutions because we don't, we don't have all that uh, information. That's not what we're there for. We're just there to go and highlight um, there is cover-ups, and we'll, we'll expose those cover-ups and then go, well, what, what next? What are you going to do? So after what they've worked out over the two, week, the two years of the previous sort of consultation period, they took all these expensive, you know, water solution options off the table. Well, they now realise that they have to put them back on the table. Um, so the strategy for the rehabilitation of the mind is now going to extend into we don't know how many years but one of the, the problems is that where power generation um, occurs in all our regional areas around Australia, we provide the, 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 um, the, the energy, but the bulk energy use is for the urban areas. Yet we wear all the cost, the, you know, as in the health cost, the economic, the environment, environmental cost. So now we're saying we want a bit of payback. We need our urban communities to actually save better on water, better engineer the water, because there's going to be a time that we need to be supported back because without a healthy environment, you have no economy. Mm. And this is, I mean, the mine's closing down for our climate. It's a good thing. There's some concerns about employment, I suppose, in Gippsland, but we need to close these mines and we need to rehabilitate them properly because leaving them as empty voids is a significant 
environmental issue as well. Have there been other proposals of how to rehabilitate these mines in a more environmentally sustainable way? Well, that's um, one of the groups, Great Latrobe Park, has um, they've advanced quite a considerable um, project, an engineered project. The problem with um, the Hazelwood pit, you know, they're talking about just just to um, get all the truckloads of what it would need to actually um, cover the coal face. You're looking at hundreds of years just of truck deliveries. It's the it, people. You just can't concept how much is there. We, there's not the overburden there. We don't have the um, specific sort of engineered capping that you would need and the, um, the batter walls are too steep. So that's the main problem with Hazelwood. On some of the other mines, it's a little bit better. The slope is, is more conducive to doing wetlands and we know that wetlands are a filtration system for some of the contaminants. So the, what they're saying is if you engineer a landform within it that doesn't involve water, where are you going to get that soil mass? And how long will it take without it being an exposed risk, you know, an ongoing exposed risk for fires? This year in Gippsland, further east, there were significant bushfires um, and there's been drought and, of course, with climate change the prediction that things could be worse. Is it a concern, the amount of water in the Latrobe Valley? Well, the, the, our catchment has significant rainfalls. So Gippsland's huge and we actually have three different areas before it got down to so it's the the next um area which was south gippsland and east gippsland suffered major drought and of course then the bushfires for east gippsland so a lot of those flows were quite good but it it was already off irrigation before it actually got down to the the lower areas so but we know that these events for Latrobe um, catchment specifically are getting less and less on the flood because we've normally had quite a reliable rainfall. Um, so that's a problem. They've predicted that we're going to have a, a decay, what they, they name as a decay in our water system of at least 50% less. So if all that's going to be, you know, part of the use or some form of entitlement for the mines, this is not looking good for the lower end. Mm. All right. Thanks very much. Tracy, is there anything else you wanted to leave us with? Our, our government aren't really working to improve the environment. There's such a disconnect with all the departments, our, what we call our Earth Resources Department. They have priority over water. Um, and it seems as though everything else, with you know, agriculture, um, the environment, that are dependent on that water, where we're accorded a, a lower a rating. Our problem with the future is that the people are not educated in the amount of water that fossil fuels use. If they actually understood that more, there might be a greater push by those, what we say, climate deniers to actually realise that, yes, we do need to move forward to a less, you know, water-intensive industry. Thanks very much, Tracy. OK, Andy. All right. Get of the north, out in Barbara. I was alone, I knew the names of my house. Four legged and wings, my Sicilian branches and fins. Under the ocean, totems of what we would call God, the creator, who just happens to be neighbors with the law of nature. She's a painter after all. When the mountains knew our names and the rivers sang our songs, as it crashed into the ocean, well, the whales would sing along. We're the people of the salmon, we're the people of the rice, we're the people of the carlo, and this city's alive. I will be there when the work is done What I leave from my grandchildren Honor the earth, the mother comes first Live 
track there from narco and medicine for the people that one is called honor the earth and of course native americans like narco bear have had their struggles in recent years for protecting water from the effects of the fossil fuel industry most famously uh standing rock where they had protest camp there um and something that had a significant cultural impact and i think it it's sort of a bit there in that song by Narco and Medicine for the People there as well. The the indigenous kind of spiritual conception of, uh, I guess, the natural elements and our connection to them adds a, another dimension to how we think about what does conservation mean. And um, uh, I think so much of our world at the moment is so removed from nature that it's easy to think of environmentalism as something that you can either be involved in or not as you as your kind of passions dictate but uh in that kind of spiritual conception of ourselves as part of the land of course we are dependent on clean water we're dependent on clean air which is just a, a simple truth that we sort of that gets obscured when we live in these big cities um off the products of mass industrialization and so we we can ignore it for a while but as the kind of as climate change happens as we might be facing more and more um negative impacts of our our impact on the environment we might come more and more to realize the wisdom in that kind of ancient philosophy of our our connection to the planet and those natural elements and so uh, we've seen in Australia as well Aboriginal people uh, being at the forefront of environmental campaigns where it comes to um, protecting water whether that be you know coal seam gas or um, oil pipelines um, and coal as well as we've been talking about today um, we did I should say before that narco song I was speaking with Tracy Anton who's from Friends of Latrobe Water about their campaign there to protect the Latrobe Valley water um, as that area phases out of coal mining and tries to work out how to um, manage the environmental impact of these gigantic pits that have been left open by um, years of mining. And so that's the, the task for all of us. Of course, every mine, you know, has massive water impacts. That's just the reality. It's a hugely water-intensive industry. But so is our agriculture, things like cotton, farming. We've seen it's had really destructive impacts on the Murray-Darling River Basin and um, all kinds of irrigation. It is um, something that we need to be concerned about. How does our 
water usage affect our planet, especially as climate change um, comes to have more impact and we may be facing more droughts like we've seen over the last few years. So um, that is about all we have time for on Eco Radio today. Um, Stay tuned, of course, 12 to 1 each day on Triple Z to get your latest news and current affairs. Um, I'm going to go out with a song. Today is Marbo Day, 3rd of June. It is 28 years since the... Um, the Marbo Judgment, which was the beginning of a kind of legal native title process and the uh, erasing of the legal fiction of Terra Nullius. And so to celebrate, let's go out with Yothi Yindi singing Marbo. See you next time. 